This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's the one. The Red Raiders. Bunny at the 10. Bunny up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football podcast. I'm your temporary host, Carter Yates, filling in for Ishmael Johnson today because unfortunately Ish quit the podcast (laughs) and... I'm just kidding. He is at the Creators of Color uh, Symposium. Uh, where is he at? Where is the Where is the event at? It's in Minnesota right now. In Minnesota. Okay. In Minnesota. Dude, mm-hmm. Representing Dave Campbell's Texas football up north mm-hmm. at the Creators of Color thing. So round of applause for Ish there. Yay, Schmail. Awesome we're sad stuff. that you're not here, but we got we got it covered for you today, I think. Yeah, we're, we're running we'll a, see. We're up and running. We're so. running a man down today. <laughs> of course, that other voice you hear is uh, everyone's favorite Mal pal, Mallory Hartley. Correct. You got my name right. So, <laughs> Tepper, when Tepper, when I fill in for TFT, Tepper typically calls me Pickle by accident. Okay. So, you so did get my name right there. I'm off to an okay start. You're off to, you're off to an okay. One for one. You're good. You're All doing right. Well. Sounds good. <laughs> Well, yeah, today, very exciting week, I think, in college football because we're off of non-conference slate Mm -hmm. officially, and last week was a dud. Mother Nature tried her very best to cancel it, and now we're rolling into Big 12 play, American Athletic Conference play. We still have a couple of non-conference games, but they're really high profile, and we'll have Mm -hmm. Mike Craven on later to discuss that. I mean, without further ado, ado, Mallory, let's just get that power pole up there and see what we're working with. Yeah, and I just want to preface this before it looks. Pr- I would say it looks probably pretty similar to last week's power poll. We didn't just learn a lot last we, week. We did not learn very much last week in terms of how good these teams really are versus if they're not good at all. Um, just because the slate last week was just really bad. But um, here is this week's updated power poll. Um, not much changed. Texas probably the least surprising, I'd say, at number one because, of course, they are the only FBS team in Texas that is undefeated. And then it's like TCU, I guess, is probably a good second pick if you're looking at all of them together. But even TCU, I mean, they looked pretty good against Houston, I would say, last week. So I guess that's probably a really solid number two. And then the rest, is it's just kind of like, meh. You know, here's why this season in Texas college football is so exciting because I don't have a read on any of these teams right right now. Even if they have a good record and they're two and one, they have barely played anybody Mm -hmm. like SMU has one game against Oklahoma. TCU has that one game against Colorado. Mm -hmm. And other than that, like a lot of these teams, we're still trying to get a read on. But even so, I wanted to do. A bit of a a bit of a draft here. All right. So we're gonna go each one surprising team four weeks into the season that we think is higher than we thought preseason wise, and one team lower than what we thought preseason wise. Mallory, you okay. said you had someone that was higher. No, I actually have someone that's lower okay. than I Let's thought. Okay, let's start on off lower. Here. Let's start um, off lower. Here's the thing. Now I'm not 
not doubting Craven's ability here because he is our college football we expert the poll. for we respect the poll. I do respect this very much. I'm a little surprised at UTEP being at the bottom here rather than Sam Houston. Okay. Because they do have a leg up here on Sam Houston. They've won a game at least, right? They looked really, really good against Incarnate Word. Sam Houston has yet to not only win a game, but score in a touchdown, right? They kicked a field goal last week against Air Force, or I guess two weeks ago because they had a bye week last week. But they have yet to score a touchdown. And, again, their defense looks really stinking good. They looked really, really solid against BYU. They even looked really, really good against Air Force. But I don't know. I think I would still probably put UTEP ahead of Sam Houston. If that's my one surprising standout of this week for power pole. I dug into the numbers a little bit on Mm -hmm. the offensive side of the ball for Sam Houston. Mm -hmm. And it's not great. It's not good at all. 262 total yards in the first two games. Their leading rushers are averaging two yards and two and a half yards a carry. Mm -hmm. And they're having they're averaging 1.5 points per game, which is, I think skip Bayless's high school basketball scoring average, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken. So it, this jump to the That's FBS, <laughs> the jump to the FBS has not gone swimmingly so far. I think the reason that they're higher is because this is the jump to the FBS, correct? Right now, and the defense looks like the 2000s Ravens right yes, now. You're like right. the defense, right. they've held to I think 13 and 14 points. They played BYU, mm-hmm. and then who? Uh, I'm blanking on the other team they played. Air Force. Air Force. Yeah, mm-hmm. two like Air Force. The Service Academy is still a very tough team to play. I think UTEP. It's almost more disappointing because they have a six-year quarterback and they're averaging like 14 yes. points a game. I think you're. I think you're right on that front. I mean, it's it's more disappointing for UTEP than it is probably Sam Houston. So that, I think you're right. That's what I'm guessing about that. I'm gonna. I'll go with my lower team too. Baylor surprised yes. me. Yes, agreed. Because I went into the season thinking, now granted, Blake Shapin has been out since the Texas State game. Mm-hmm. But I went into the season thinking they've got Keytron Jackson, who's a true wide receiver one on the outside. Another year, Blake Shapin, who I thought got dogged a little bit too much last year, if I'm being quite honest. And he looked really good in that opening game, but he's been injured. The running game has been a little worrisome to me. Yeah. Because Richard Reeds last year was the offensive freshman of the year and it seems like Dominic Richardson the Oklahoma State transfer has really taken over his carries now Dominic Richardson is out mm-hmm. which means Richard Reese it's time for him to step up versus this Texas game more on that later when we talked to Craven about Texas versus Baylor it just the energy in Waco right now is really it's low just not good yeah well and you've been to McLean Stadium this year like you've you've yep. seen it firsthand that it's just at an all-time low I mean like the fans you were there for the Utah, Utah game, game, correct? And that was 11 a.m. kick. And you said there were more Utah fans. In than the upper deck there was. Right. If you took out the student section, it, took, took it out was the Baylor student half section. and half, probably. That's really sad. That's really stinking disappointing. And for those, to preface this too, uh, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, Baylor right now sits at uh, number 10. We'll just kind of go through the power poll really quick just because okay. there's, you know, there's listeners here that only listen to the podcast. Texas, of course, at number one, TCU. At number two, Texas A&M, number three, SMU, number four, the Rice Owls at number five, the Texas State Bobcats at six, Houston moves down to seven, uh, UTSA at eight, number nine, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, 10 Baylor, 11, North Texas, they bounced from 13 to 11 this past week, Caw. number 12, Sam Houston Bearcats, and of course, number 13, uh, the UTEP Miners. 
Um, so we're surprised about 13 UTEP, lower than we thought, mm-hmm. 10 Baylor, lower yep. than we thought. Now let's go one higher. Correct. I'm going to go with my Rice Owls, baby. Oh, you, hoot, so, you stole my Did pick. Did I stole you, steal your pick? You well, we can talk it. about – we can talk. It. Did you see my uh, – I'm going to pull out of the power pole really quick so I can show you guys my drawing. Um did you see my hooting intensified? I did see that. And it is intensifying it right is. now. It is. It looks really good, right? That's the representation Correct. of what it's like in Houston right now. Correct. Well, not at the Cougars, but at the Rice Owls. The other, the other Houston the team. Other Houston <laughs> yeah. No, they look they look really stinking good. Um, I was still, I mean, I was really, really impressed with that Houston win. Um, granted, now they they their defense kind of slacked off a little bit uh, towards the the end of the fourth quarter, um, which sent them into double overtime. But I really thought going into that overtime, I was like, there's absolutely no way that Rice is going to be able to pull this off. And they did. Um, and then last week they played an FCS opponent. I can't remember. Texas Southern. Texas Southern. And dang, JT Daniels looked like fire. 59 points. 59 points. Now, and, and again – it's an FCS opponent. I get that. However, that's not what Rice does. Yeah, you know, or that's not what the former Mike Bloomgren Rice team did last year. They don't just blow people out of the water like that. And again, it is an FCS opponent. But I think that was a really, really statement and impressive win yes. by Rice. Screw the qualifiers. We don't need to Correct. say it was an FCS opponent. You put up 59 points, that's 59 that's points. That's what I'm saying. And that's what we need from Rice right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. JT Daniels looked really good. He was able to find four different receivers in the end zone. I really, really think that Rice is a true bowl contender this year. I think they're going to go bowling. That's my, probably my way too early prediction. But, again, I think Rice is much, much higher on this list than I thought ever well, that's <laughs> they what, would be. That's what worried about me, too, is that he was only going to throw to Luke McCaffrey this year because you look at that wide receiver core. They don't have like, much depth, I yeah. I don't know who else he's going to throw to. But the fact that he's finding people and getting everyone touches is, is really promising so far. Right. I'm going to give Ish some love, even though he's not here. Texas State Correct. is a lot higher than I thought yeah. they would be. And, look, I'm a believer in G.J. Kinney, but I didn't think this soon they would be performing on offense like they have. I mean, they've really followed, like, the Coach Prime school of thought of mm-hmm. we're going to get our players in here and we're going to have this roster of people. Granted, a lot of Texas State players ha- – went to power five schools. So mm-hmm. this was more like by necessity rather than like GJ Kinney walking in and saying, I'm bringing my luggage in with me right. type deal, but kind of flew under the radar in terms mm-hmm. of how they had like 51 new scholarship players, almost all their productions from transfers right now. They put up 56 points on Jackson state in the first half in the first last half. week. Right. Right. And I think both quarterbacks, we'll talk more about them later, but TJ Finley and Malik Hornsby, I think look, they're just a dynamic duo there. Um, that depth at quarterback is really impressive, which is something that they have just not had. Um, I would say the defense has looked really good as well. Um, we'll dive more into who Texas State plays this week, but they have just looked really, really, really impressive. And they've always been towards the bottom of our power pole. I mean, I've been doing this for two years, and I don't, I don't remember the last time that they were above – perennial double digits 10 or not exactly that's what I'm saying like 10 or 9 so a really really good pick and like they're back-to-back Rice and Texas State at five and six so yeah really really good picks I'd feel like but strong power pole I would have to assume though that this week 
I think we'll see a little bit more movement. Oh yeah. In the power pole, and it, this is this is this is the, the time that it gets really really exciting because, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, not every team is entering conference play this week, but we have a lot of teams that are playing each other this week. Um, and it's gonna get interesting. It's I'm really pumped. Do we have Craven on the phone? We do not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay, sorry. No, it is going to get really – I thought we were going to bring Craven in. Sorry, I'm trying to jump the gun here. Look, first time hosting, my fault. But, um, yeah, we we have a really interesting week coming up. Before we get Craven on the phone here, I want to talk to you all about Home Field Apparel. It's the largest vintage clothing apparel retailer. Over 150 colleges to choose from. You've heard us talking about it all year on the Republic of Football podcast. And, you know – Something that really sticks out to me about home field apparel is they're always adapting. You know, they're like Nick Saban back in the day when he knew he had to transition to the spread offense in the new era of college football. Aside from Dabo Sweeney, like right now, you see he's not adapting to the transfer portal and Clemson's taking some hits on the field. Home field apparel is always dropping new merch as the season goes along, making sure they're staying on top of the game. Guys, you get 15% off your first order using promo code DCTF. And also, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Every show on this ROF network, it means every all the 13 colleges we have has their own promo code right now. So you go listen to all of their episodes. You get all those promo codes. You start stacking those 15% uh, discounts. Ours, 15% off your first over order using promo code DCTF. I know Mallory was just telling me about this Texas shirt she wears all the time. Uh, from Home Field Apparel. TCU, get it right. <laughs> I do not wear Texas all the time. It's TCU. She wears her TCU one. I'm just kidding. One. Nothing against Texas. She she wears her TCU one all the time. <laughs> I, I have not seen the Texas one yet, but I would like to see it. <laughs> uh, and then Ish keeps teasing about this Lamar hoodie he's going to bring out once the weather drops below, I don't know, like 80 degrees. <sighs> So 75. I can't cool wait. 75. I can't wait to see it. I've heard a lot about it and he's kept, he keeps teasing it. So like we said, 15% off your first o- order at homefieldapparel.com using promo code DCTF. Woo. Do it. Cause Homefield rocks. You it need does. to get one. Yeah. I'm, I'm slacking right now. Cause I haven't, you're gotten, just shopping. I'm, okay. I'm just browsing. Like I, browsing. I take a lot of, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta look at the shirts before I commit. I'm just, I got a commitment <laughs> problem right here, but I I'm going to get one. I promise you. I feel you. All right. All right. Mike, you there? I'm here. All right. Well, we got Mike Craven here, DCTF senior writer, and he is going this week to Waco to watch number three, Texas take on the Baylor bears at 6 30 PM. Craven, we talked a lot about you are going to all 13 Texas colleges this year, making a stop at every stadium. Why did you choose Baylor for this week? I knew it would be sold out. You know, I'm trying to pick games that I I know are going to have good game day atmospheres, and you can count on Baylor uh, to show up for the Texas game no matter what the record is, and especially being the last time uh, Texas is going to play in Waco, at least for a long time. Um, and so it felt like the, the right time to get to Baylor. So obviously it's been a tough start to the season for Baylor sitting at one and two right now. What do they have to do to beat Texas this weekend? They're going to have to play 2021 elite level defense. You know, I mean, we talk a lot about the Baylor offense, but if you go back to that year that they won 12 games, they weren't scoring a lot of points. They didn't win a single game. Uh, down the stretch in the last six games, including the bowl game and the Big 12 championship game. They didn't score over 31 times during that stretch, and they still went 6-0. and And so, you know, under Dave Aranda, they've never been an explosive offense. They've never been a 30-plus 
uh, point offense on a regular basis. And so for me, you know, they're going to need to run the ball, obviously, and that will help them play defense. If they're able to establish the run, kind of use the new clock rules to keep the clock rolling after first downs, have some 10, 15 play drives, uh, keep Texas from kind of like Wyoming did, right? Mm-hmm. Like make this thing 10, 10 in the fourth quarter and maybe a bounce goes your way. I think that's exactly right. I actually just had a piece come out about Baylor's three-star running back room. They got Belleville's Richard Reese. They've got Mineola High School's Dawson Pendergrass and Franklin High School's Bryson Washington. Kind of like three-star RBU right now. Texas high school football legends from them. But, Craven, do you think they have the defensive personnel to play that 2021 style ball? No. Okay. I, you know, I think, I think that's been the biggest problem for Baylor is they have not replaced – the Terrell Bernards, the Jalen Petries, the JT Woods. And remember, those guys weren't four or five-star dudes. So I'm not I'm not saying that Baylor's just incapable of replacing those guys. But the Matt Rule, Joey McGuire kind of era of Baylor recruiting turned a lot of those three-star gyms um, in, into five-star kind of NFL drafted guys. Six defensive players uh, got drafted after that 2021 season. That was a That was a team that was really good even if it's not a recruiting class that's ranked as high as, as, high as Texas or, or Baylor. So I think, one, they haven't kind of identified the guys with those special skill traits um, that, that the rural school of recruiting does. And, two, I, I don't think they've developed um, those players in the same way that they were, they were getting developed before. And so, you know, some turnover at defensive coordinator uh, has probably hurt that, that maturation a little bit as well. I think they're good in the front seven. Uh, I don't think Texas is going to run the ball up and down the field. Uh, but their secondary is really young, and it feels like that's where Texas is going to have the most success, provided that they're able to block. Dave Aranda's defense has given Sark's offense kind of that creeper style that LSU uh, has developed and Dave Aranda runs so well, has historically given Sark problems at Texas and before that. So if he can create simulated pressure, make Quinn think there's guys coming at him that that maybe not be there and, and hide a couple of players, uh, the key to stopping Ewers is to get him off of his first or second read. So that's going to be you know, what Baylor needs to do defensively. So before we jump into the Texas side of this talk, I want to ask you a question about Baylor as a program right now, because obviously huge underdogs coming into this Texas game. Then they play Texas Tech. It's not getting a whole lot easier. We've talked about they are in dangerous territory of starting one and five. What did Dave Aranda and his staff have to do to kind of get this ship turned around? Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, it's hard to do kind of in the middle of the season. You know, they tried to hit the transfer portal and pivot from, you know, their 2021 to 2022 strategy that clearly didn't work when they went six and seven. So, you know, they try to bring in a Mike Smith, a Dominic Richardson, a a Keetron Jackson out there at wide receiver. And those guys have been good players who have started and been the best players at the position for Baylor. But it just doesn't seem to to be enough. You know, that Utah loss is forgivable. You lose to Utah, a lot of teams are going to lose to Utah this year. You know, it was that Texas State loss and how easily Texas State was able to move up and down the field. I mean, that's clearly been a really good offense and has continued to be so. Uh, but you shouldn't be losing to Texas State if you're at Baylor. Like, that's just the fact of the matter there. Um, and so they're going to have to, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know what you're able to do kind of in the middle of the year because I, I feel like football is, for the most part, a personnel game. And right now I just don't know if Baylor has the personnel uh, to be better than a 6-6 six and six football team. Well, the team they're playing this week does have the personnel to go bowling this year for sure, and that's Texas. Craven, a lot of people like to jump the gun and do the Texas is back talk. Do you think this Texas team is different from years past? I do. 
I do. I, I don't know what back is, you know, in my lifetime, Texas well, has been good under, under one head coach, <laughs> you know, so I, you know, Texas isn't uh, one of those teams that goes 11 and one every single year. And they never really have, right. Except for DKR and Mac Brown. So I think we do jump the gun on that situation. But what I think is different about Texas is one, they're starting to play pretty well in the second half, you know, they've, they've scored 21 points uh, in three different quarters this year. And they've all been second half, you know, third quarter against rice, fourth quarter against Alabama. Uh, fourth quarter against Wyoming. So they're, they've started to play well in the second half. But I think the main difference is just how good they are in the trenches. Like Texas always had a good seven-on-seven seven team. They always had decent quarterbacks. They always had decent wide receivers. The secondary was always okay. They just, you know, they weren't very tough. The offensive line wasn't tough. The defensive line wasn't tough. They are now. Like, there's they're some big humans, uh, like Kyle Flood likes to say, on that team. There's some nasty ones, too. Like, you know, Byron Murphy's a dog. Like, that, that guy is a, is a beast. He's a leader. You know, they have those guys – also along the offensive line. And so the toughness that Texas has because of the talent on the trenches makes me believe that this is a different Texas team than years past. But that doesn't mean I think Texas is going undefeated. I mean, getting through the Big 12 is hard. I want to say only two teams have done it uh, in the last 10 years or something like that. So it's going to be hard to do. I think that's the step for Texas, right? Like Texas can get up and beat Alabama. I don't think any of us were that shocked about that. It's if they can get up and win every single game moving forward and not kind of like stink one off you know, against Iowa State or, or a team that we don't think that they're going to lose to. That's going to be the real test for the Longhorns. Yeah, I think so, too. Now I kind of want to transition games, and Craven, we're going to keep you on here. For SMU-TCU, the Iron Skillet played in Fort Worth at 11 a.m. I'll be going to this game. I'm very excited. This will be my first Iron Skillet I've gone to. Craven, you wrote a piece about the Iron Skillet today. I believe it dropped yesterday. Uh, what – Explain that piece to us. Explain this game. Explain what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stinks about this is that it's a 100-year-old rivalry. And if you go back and you look through the history, a lot of times TCU was really good when SMU wasn't. Or SMU was really good in, like, the 70s and 80s when TCU necessarily wasn't. It feels like it's about to get good again right as it's leaving. And that's the part that stinks. And when you combine it with all the other history and traditions we're losing, I mean, we're about to lose Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I'm writing a piece about the the rivalries that Texas is about to lose when they move to the SEC. You know, the Pac-12 is dissolving. Um, the Metroplex for a long time, the DFW area for a long time, it's kind of been left out of college football. TCU got left out of the original Big 12, just like uh, SMU did. The death penalty out there. You know, TCU's playing whack football and stuff before Gary Patterson gets it rolling. And right when TCU's playing for a national championship last year, and SMU's getting into the ACC, and they're, they got so much money on the hilltop that they're like, yeah, we're good on the $200 million we're losing uh, for the TV rights deal. Like, we'll make that back up, and they raise $100 million in, in seven days. This game's about to get fun. Like, these two teams are only going to get better uh, and be good for the next five to ten years, and they're not going to play anymore after 2025. And to me, that's a bummer. And Craven, <clears throat> looking at the spread here, it's only six and a half points, right? TCU favored by six and a half. TCU gets SMU at home this year. Does this kind of feel like a coin flip game to you? I mean, both teams have looked really impressive so far this season. They look pretty evenly matched, especially on paper. Would you say this is a coin flip game? I mean, I, I think TCU's right, rightfully favored. I, I think they have a deeper roster, probably a bigger roster. Their offensive line, defensive line's better. They're playing at home. Um, so I understand why it's six and a half. It's not quite a touchdown. Yeah, but SMU, it was 14-11 against Oklahoma, you know, in the fourth quarter there before the Sooners scored a couple 
you know, touchdowns and, and pulled away. This is a better SMU team. They, they are much improved on the defensive side of the ball. There's so much familiarity between these staffs. You know, Rhett Lashley is coach for Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes is coach. I mean, not that many players actually on the SMU roster anymore because it's been turned over so much. But, you know, he knows Preston Stone and some of those guys that he recruited out of the DFW area, even like a Jonathan McGill and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. You know, obviously both teams for bragging rights, you know, they know this thing's starting to disappear and they want to get Mm -hmm. one over the other. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if SMU won, uh, but I also think I would pick TCU straight up. Yeah. I've got four storylines for you, Craig, and I want you to pick your favorite one. Sonny Dykes playing against former team he coached in SMU. Sonny Dykes going up against Rhett Lashley, his former OC. Sonny Dykes going up against – this is all just Sonny Dykes going up against. So <laughs> the last one isn't. But Sonny Dykes going up against Preston Stone, who he recruited to SMU. And how about Chandler Moore as TCU's quarterback playing against SMU when his dad coached at SMU from 2015 to 2017? Which one do you like? Yeah, probably, probably the last one. Probably the last one. You know, I think we've seen the Dykes-Lashley thing before. You know, Sonny last year had to go into SMU, and that was going to be an interesting deal uh, after he left left the hilltop. And so, you know, I think we've seen that stuff before. This is going to be the first time we've seen Chandler Morris in one of these rivalry games. You know, he started against Colorado twice, but I'd argue this is this is probably, you know, the biggest game of his career so far. You know, you could, just because it's a crosstown deal, and I think there's questions, right? Like, I think I could legitimately ask who has the better quarterback in this game and not know the answer. I think that's the coin mm-hmm. flip. Like, Do you know the answer? Preston, I mean, I, 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 my opinion is Preston Stone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not smart enough to know that for sure, right? I'm not, I'm not an NFL scout. I, I can't. I'm not going to pretend like I can break down all the film, but I think Preston Stone has the high, higher upside, is, is the better overall quarterback. I think the surrounding pieces at TCU are a little bit better than they are at SMU. But this is a chance for Chandler Morris to quiet doubters like me and have a big game. You know, we saw him against Baylor in 2021, and he looked like the next big thing. And it just hadn't been that since then. And so I think this is a, is a game for him to kind of start building his own you know, reputation at TCU. Can I just say something? You know, a lot has been made about Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman and quarterback Sam Hartman being the most handsome QB head coach duo. I think Rhett Lashley and Preston Stone are in that running as well. I'm going to go on record and say that, but Craven, what do you think SMU has to do to win this game, pull the upset? They need to create a couple turnovers on defense. They need to steal a couple possessions. Uh, for SMU to win this game, you'd imagine they're going to have to outscore TCU. It's hard to see SMU win in a 20-14 to 14 game. I, I feel like TCU can win that style of game. It'll be hard for SMU. So it feels like SMU needs to get this thing into a track meet, get it into the 30s, force Chandler Morris to make a couple bad decisions, You know, force them into field goals in the red zone or create a couple turnovers. And then take advantage of those turnovers and go score. And just let's just see what this TCU offense is all about. Because my question mark, I don't even know if they're Chandler Morris. Like my question marks about TCU's offense is Kendall Bryles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, any pressure that they can put on this Horn Frogs offense to to keep up, I think is good for SMU. Well, Craven, thank you so much for joining us today on ROF. Uh, we'll see you in Waco this week for for Texas versus Baylor. Safe travels, Craven. Thank you, guys. Talk Bye. to y'all later. Sweet. All right. That was two of our spotlight games, or I guess top matchups of the week, but we still have one more. 
Yeah. What's our last spotlight game? Let's move into our last spotlight game. Texas A&M hosting Auburn this Saturday, September 23rd at 11 a.m. Another 11 a.m. All three of our spotlight games. Oh, wait, no. Texas Baylor 630. SMU TCU is 11. Which, can we talk about that for a second? I know we probably talked about that on the recap episode, but the 11 a.m. kick for SMU TCU, just, I don't like that. No. I, I just... Like you said, like it's it's just hard to get people at the game that early. And for the last battle for the Iron Skillet, I think that the crowd could be much better if it was like, I don't know, a 6.30 kick, maybe even a 3 o'clock kick. Here's the problem. The 11 a.m. kickoff time is for the guys, you know, sitting at their house, hung over on Saturday morning. Let me roll to the couch and, you know, <laughs> flip on. Or the guys with, like, family men, you know, like the yeah. people with families. Like, they got to watch the game. Correct. Um, but for the people that are at the stadium, it is so hard I know. to get hyped up at 11 a.m. Believe me, I've been there before. Yeah. I know how tough it is. You're in the line of fire. Right. Right. But I still have faith that, you know, TCU is hyped up enough that this is going to be, this is still going to be an electric atmosphere. I think so too. I think so too. But again, another 11 a.m. kick for Texas A&M and Auburn. You can watch it on ESPN at 11 a.m. Texas coming in as seven and a half point favorites. The over/under is set at 52 and a half. And to start the things off, I think, I think plain and simple, this is a really, really good opening conference opponent for Texas A&M because, you know, they just haven't looked super impressive to me this year. Um, Auburn coming into this game three and zero. But when you take a look at Auburn's schedule. So Auburn at 3-0 right now. Not great. Is like the Homer Simpson meme where he's like this and looks all <laughs> ripped. And then you go to, it's like 3-0 record. And then at the back is all his fat tied up. Correct. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it was, you're 3-0 with a 14-10 win over Cal and wins against UMass and Samford. Right, right. It's like, it's like how much weight do you really put on that 3-0 record? You know, Not you don't a lot. you don't put that much Less weight. Less than the amount of weight on Homer Simpson's back, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, right. I think Auburn this is a good ramp up test though. It is. Exactly like you said cuz Auburn under Hugh Freeze, you know, they're still a really solid team but they're not mm-hmm. top of the SEC. Uh, I think some things to watch out for from Auburn. Their linebacker Eugene Asante, he is so fast. Mm-hmm. He leads the team 19 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss. Also in the linebacker room, you got to keep an eye on Larry Nixon, sad call. He transferred from North Texas to Auburn. Sad call. <laughs> um, and then in the secondary for them, DJ James, the cornerback, he was, I think, second team all-conference last year. He'll be a guy that really tests Connor Wigman for A&M. Mike Craven, I should have asked him about this when we were on. We weren't talking Texas A&M, though. He went on record saying he thinks Wegman's a top two quarterback in the mm-hmm. SEC, and I kind of agree. I think he's looked really good too. I think I completely agree with that. I honestly think here, if we're if we're comparing the two teams right now, I think your eyes are going to go to Texas A&M's passing offense and Auburn's pass defense because currently, right now, Texas A&M ranks 11th in the nation in passing efficiency, and Auburn. Which, again, I don't know how much weight you can put to this, but they do rank 12th in the nation for passing defense. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly, again, how much weight you put to that because their opponents just not SEC caliber opponents. Um, but I think your eyes are really 
they're going to go to there. Um, and if if this, pa- this if this Auburn passing defense is as good as they're ranked right now, are we going to see Texas A&M kind of abandon the pass game? Are we going to see Ruben Owens, you know, kind of get that ground game going a little bit more than maybe we have seen in past games? I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Here's the problem too for Texas A&M is they're without Noah Thomas, the six foot six wide. Okay, receiver, I was going to say that. So and the tight end Donovan Green, right? So the passing offense is like they've had guys. Oh, and also Evan Stewart. I was going to say, is Evan, is Evan Stewart back? I, I think so. Okay, well, that's Like good. I said, I literally think they held Evan Stewart out to say throw the ball to Anaya Smith right. and get him going because you're throwing Evan Stewart too much. Like, yes. I don't think that's what was happening. Yeah, right. But Jake Johnson, the tight end, he's also another 6'6 guy who stepped up. He had like, I think, six catches or something mm-hmm. last week versus Louisiana Monroe. They're going to get him early and often into the passing game. Look, I think it's going to be fine. Like, I think a and going to take care of business mm-hmm. in this one. I think so, too. The the injuries at the wide receiver spot are a little bit worrying. And Bryce Foster, I think, was not healthy last week either at center. And mm-hmm. he's, like, kind of the cog of their offensive line. So, they need to get him back. Um, is it enough to test them? I think they're yes. going to be fine. I, I was going to say, um, I think defensively, I think Texas A&M holds the upper edge here. I think that defensive line is going to make Peyton Thorne Auburn's cornerback, who was former Michigan State quarterback. Miss ya. Wait, <laughs> Megan, are you missing Peyton Thorne right now? I, we don't have to get into that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yes, correct, I do. But anyways, <laughs> I think I think uh I think this defensive line can make Peyton Thorne pretty uncomfortable here in the pocket. Um and when he gets uncomfortable in the pocket, he tends to throw a lot quicker and it doesn't end up turning out great. So I think that if this defensive line can give Peyton Thorne some hell, I think this defense is going to be – I think they're going to be great. We got the scouting report on Peyton Thorne right now from Michigan State insider Mallory Hartley. I know enough about Peyton Thorne, baby. <laughs> but, yes, I uh, I do agree with you. Um, I think I take Texas A&M to cover here. What was the spread? Seven and a half, Texas A&M. I, t- I picked Texas A&M to cover. It's also – it's at home, too, so – Huge the crowd's going to come out. Huge advantage there, I think. I've never been to a game at Kyle Field, but I would assume that it's pretty tough to play there. I think it's a fair assumption. It's a fair assumption, <laughs> but I take Texas A&M to cover probably more than that. <laughs> Same. All right, let's go to the next game. Next we're, game. We're going into now look around out of the spotlight games. Do you remember what it's called? It's the wide zone. Wide zone. Wide zone. Yes. The wide zone. First game of the wide zone, Texas Tech is traveling to West Virginia. Where's West Virginia? Where's the college? Morgantown. That's right. Traveling to Morgantown to play West Virginia this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on Big 12 Network or ESPN+. Texas Tech coming in as six-point favorites. The over-under set at 55. Much like Texas A&M, I think that this is a really good opening conference opponent for Texas Tech. However, my worry here, and I think I know what you're what what I'm gonna say, it's been tough on the road for Tech. Yes, they haven't very. played haven't played up to the caliber of a team that we think they are on the road. So I it worries me a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, that worries me too. That's kind of the one knock on Joey McGuire right now is like his teams do not play well on the road. Opening season mm-hmm. loss to Miami. I mean not Miami, Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. In Laramie. Last year they were seven and one at home and one and four away. Um, if if they lose to look, this is the perfect road test 
because it's almost like the Auburn thing, like you were talking about. It's like this nice ramp up. Like West Virginia was picked last in the Big mm-hmm. 12. And that was part of the reason, like, my piece I had a couple weeks ago where it's like not every 0-2 is made the same. It's mm-hmm. like Baylor's opening Big right. 12 schedule is Texas, Texas Tech. Texas Tech is West Virginia, Baylor. That's a lot more of a soft launch going into Big 12. If they lose this game, that panic button for me is on the desk. Yes. Like in arm's reach now. I agree. This is another one of those get right games like Tarleton was, Mm -hmm. you know, where we got to feed Taj Brooks, Tyler Shuck, no more interceptions, no more turnovers. Mm -hmm. Let's play a clean game off a defense. Got to get home in the pass rushing lanes. West Virginia is not a very dynamic offense right now. It's a game you should win. Take care of business. I was going to say too, I, I believe that their quarterback, Garrett Green, is not going to be playing. Well, he's, he's questionable because he got hurt last week during their game against Vanderbilt? Maybe. Pitt. Sure. I think it was Pitt. Okay. <laughs> um, but he did get hurt last week, so he's questionable to start, which would take out a huge part of their running offense because they're a, they're a team that likes to pound in, on the ground. Um, and so I think that if that quarterback's not playing, then Tech's got a huge advantage there. Yeah, this is one, like, if I'm a Texas Tech fan – I'm keeping an eye on, right? I'm I'm confident, mm-hmm. but if if Texas Tech is struggling, like watch out, okay, for the rest of this season. Do you think we're going to see a lot more of Taj Brooks this week? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging like six yards a carry this season. I was going to say, too, um, I did see a stat that when Taj Brooks uh, has a over 200-yard game, um, they're 4-0. There so, we go. That's there's the recipe. your answer right there. Taj Brooks. Play him. Well, it was so Let confusing because it was like. Now, West Virginia does have a good run defense, though. They're, they're, they rank up in the top 20 in run defense, so we'll see there. Even, even better. So feed him and don't do quarterback midline draw with Tyler Shuck. Like, that was the whole thing where it was like this Oregon game. Okay, a lot's made about Taj Brooks, the number one back now. And, mm-hmm. okay, great. Like, he's going to really shine now that Sir Roderick Thompson's gone. And it was like they took all of Sir Roderick Thompson's carries and just gave it to Tyler Shuck right. to run right up the middle. And, they, like, I don't want him doing that versus West Virginia. No. Well, I mean, it, you you can't. You've got to keep this guy healthy. Like you said, you got to play a clean game, no turnovers, and just keep Shuck healthy, you know? Like, yep. feed Taj the ball if you're going to run it, you know? Exactly. So. What's know. the line on that game? Six? Uh, six and a half. Six, yes. Give me Texas Tech in that one. I agree. I think, I think I'm going to go Texas Tech, too. We'll see. It's going to be close, but I get, I get Texas Tech to cover. All right, next in the wide zone. Next. This one's going to be a little tough. UTSA playing at the University of Tennessee this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch it on SEC Network. Tennessee coming in as 20.5-point favorites. The over-under is 57.5. couple things here. UTSA is playing Tennessee at a real bad time. Uh, yeah, right they after are they, right after they, is it fair to say, got smoked by yes. their absolute hated rival Florida in a huge upset loss. Yep. I am really nervous. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing: Tennessee went to the swamp, got smoked, and then tried to square up and box in helmets yes. and shoulder pads. Right now, <laughs> like after the game, they so, have a lot of anger. They're angry. Angry. And um, they're going to try to take it out on UTSA. So thank God Frank Harris is not playing. I was going to say, is that 
confirmed because I did see the depth chart and obviously Frank Harris and Ed, Eddie Lee Marburger are both on the depth chart for listed on the depth chart for this week. But I mean, I, I truly just can't see a world in where Jeff Trailer puts out Frank Harris for essentially a, a, not a, an important game for them. I would say no, you got to keep them look, healthy. this is, this is probably going to be a loss. Okay. Right. UTSA has just got to hit the reset button yeah. right now. They get they get this game. They get a bye week right after that. They're going to be one and three, but they can go into American Athletic Conference play and, you know, start stacking wins and taking off once Frank Harris gets this two weeks of rest. Mm-hmm. Mallory, where's your panic button right now for UTSA? Um, Man. I got, I got to say at the quarterback spot. I mean, I'd, I've – I'm I'm just worried about how healthy Frank Harris can stay. I'm also a little bit worried about the defense too, but I would say my panic button is probably at the quarterback spot because even when we saw a healthy-ish Frank Harris play against Houston, I mean, he was turnover prone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I would say that they're entering conference play next week. I don't remember who they have on the schedule. Oh, I do. They've got Temple, who's 2-1, and one, but okay. the jury's still out on them. You know, they haven't played the best competition. Then they got Trent Dilfer's UAB that's given up 49 points yeah. and 41 points okay. in the last two games and is also about to play Georgia this week. Okay. So I'm not I'm easy not, ramp up. Kinda. Easy ramp up. Um, I'm not hitting the panic button at all yet. Um, I'm pretty calm about this team still. Uh, probably not going to learn much about UTSA this week. I think they're probably just going to play a safe game, try and keep those injuries to a, to a minimum because Tennessee, they play rough. Um, they're an SEC team. Um, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I'm a, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good. Keep your heads low. Get out of there healthy. Yes, correct. That that that's the name of the game this week. I really that that's what they got to do. If a defensive lineman tries to box, do not box. Okay, that is a no. Don't win fall for it. Just walk away. <laughs> They're gonna try. <laughs> They put up the Dukes. They're gonna be exactly, exactly. They're a, they're a physical team. Like t- to go out, like Tennessee's good. They they they're a really fun physical team to watch. Are they um, good? I think they're good. I don't think they're good. I mean, <sighs> Joe Mixon, their quarterback, right? Is yeah, it, is it Joe, Joe Mixon? Joe Milton. Milton, not Mixon. I mean, he's a Heisman contending. Uh, well, I don't know about after you last. You seen week, how far he can throw an orange? <laughs> There's like 110 yards. He's got a cannon. <laughs> I know, and he was. I mean, he's a part. Didn't you name him like a sleeper in your one of your Heisman oh, yeah. picks like that's, earlier on in the season? That's aging like milk that's right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, he didn't look like a pick against Florida. I but they're a good team. I, I really do. I, I they might not be as good as they were last year. I'll put it that way. But I still think that I give Tennessee the upper edge, obviously, in this game, and I pick them to cover. Yeah, I I think, I think they're going to cover too. Yeah. We'll just it's just a it's just a get right game for Tennessee. <laughs> and UTSA is just on the butt at it. And unfortunately it's somehow sometimes the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> correct. Correct. All right. All right. Let's move on here to our next wide zone game of the week. Rice playing at South Florida this Saturday at three PM. You can watch it on ESPNU. Rice on the road coming in as two and a half point favorites. The over-under set at 55 and a half. And, again, I think this is an AAC opener for yeah. Rice. And I think this be, is a good AAC opener for Rice. you got to be careful, though, because USF is riding high off their 17-3 to loss only to Alabama. <laughs> Hang the banner right now. 
Oh, Lord, you can't even put weight on that game. You can put zero because you can't put any weight on that game. Like, that's not that's not what USF is. Like That was the game where Nick Saban said, you're complaining about Jalen Miller, at quarterback. Let me throw these other guys out here and show you what I'm seeing in practice. And right. So get off my back about the quarterback situation exactly. from now on. Exactly. Um, this, uh, this South Florida team, I don't know how much – I don't really know much about them. I do know, though, that their pass defense is – Horrible. <laughs> they rank 111 out of 130, uh, allowing over 270 passing yards per game. Well, that's good. And what Rice- have we what have we been talking about this whole time about Rice? What do they like to do, and what do they do well? They like to throw the rock. They like to throw the rock, baby. So, if JT Daniels can play a really clean game, find a couple more different receivers um, other than Luke McCaffrey, I pick Rice to cover um, by a lot more than than the spread tells us. Yeah, I think Rice just has the advantage in a couple key areas. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. The other one being is that South Florida is allowing over five sacks a game right now. I mean, they're just getting – and part of that's playing Alabama in that defensive line. But Josh Percy, I'm looking at you, man. Like, you got to get in there and get it to the quarterback. Like, I think Rice right now, they're 24th in the nation in team tackles for loss. And, you know, part of that's like how – how much truth can you put in that stat early season? They played Texas Southern. They played Houston, who's not the best offense. But, like, let's get after the quarterback. Let's get this defense flying around. Let's throw it around the yard. This is the new era of Rice football. Like, it let's, truly let's is. Let's show them. It, it truly is. Now let me ask you this. So, I really – I do think there's a really good chance that Rice comes out and wins their American Conference opener. Um, their first game in the American, actually, I should say. Are you thinking that this team could go bowling after that? I mean, I think USF, again, is a really good matchup here. We're going we're gonna to learn a lot about how Rice will play probably in, in the Ameri- against average American opponents. Do you think that this is a good indication for Rice, if they win this game, that they could hit that six-win hey, mark? I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but I picked Rice to have finish higher in the power pool than what they were slotted at. Like, I've been on this JT Daniels train. <laughs> You know what? I did in my questionnaire, I did fill out, I did say that I think JT Daniels is a sleeper to run the <laughs> AAC. So, I don't, I don't know. know. He's former five-star. He's 24. Like, he's got exactly. all the intangibles. He was, cut, he, was, he was showing offensive protection schemes when he was in ninth grade. Like, come on. Correct. Who Correct. says this doesn't work? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, I think they're going to go bowling. I think so, too. For sure. Now, the one thing is, they can't buy in the hype. They can't listen to me. No. Or, or you right no, now. No, because, because right now us. we're jinxing them. And you guys, hooting <laughs> intensified. Like, yeah. we can't jinx them here. We've got the post-it notes out. You know, <laughs> I'm tooting my own horn. Like, don't do what we're doing. This is no. the exact opposite of what you need to be doing at Rice right now. Correct. But stay down. You know, keep it, keep it going. It's kind of a new era right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're definitely going bowling, especially if they win this game. I do, too. This is a – this is a – this is a – just like – Craven said with Texas, I truly do think this is a different uh, Rice team. Um, and we've been, we said it all last year that their only issue here was they played – I think they had a really stout defense last year, and that issue was at that quarterback spot. They could not find a quarterback that, w- that was accurate, um, that was consistent throughout each week, um, and that could stay healthy. And I think JT Daniels checks all of those boxes. So – yeah, I really – I pick Rice in this game. I pick them to cover by a lot more than two and a half, I think, maybe touchdown more. Um, but I'm high on this Rice train. I think this is a different team, and I like them a lot. Same. All right, let's move on to 
our next wide zone game of the week. Sam Houston playing at Houston this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on Big 12 Network or ESPN+. Plus. Houston coming in as 12.5-point favorites. The over-under is set at 38. Carter's? Uh, thir- the over-under setting at 38 is so freaking funny to me um, because I honestly think that this game could be 14 nothing. <laughs> like, oh. by the end of it. Like, if I'm projecting a final score right now, it's it's 14 Houston. 14-0 Houston. This is my Carter Yates lock of the week is the under <laughs> in this game. <laughs> now, so good. we're going to check back here next Wednesday, and this game is going to be 40-38 to 38 or something insane. Right, right. But, I mean, right now, neither of these teams have a really good offense. We went through the numbers no. on Sam Houston. I'm not going to go through them again. Houston hasn't scored, didn't score a touchdown against TCU. Uh, their only game – let me check Houston's schedule, actually. What was the game they had a good showing against offensive-wise? Because the first game of the season for UTSA, not. It was 17-14. Rice was the only game. It was 41-43 in double overtime, but they were getting yeah. beat 28-0 yeah, there for a while to Rice. And that, that offense against TCU did not look very good either. No. Well, that was part of it. Like, everyone's like, oh, TCU, like, don't look now. They haven't given up a touchdown in eight quarters. It's like, okay, Nichols and Houston. Like, yeah, he, not, you know, not great. Uh, not great. Not a crazy to, stat. Yeah, like, no, not Not as crazy of a stat when you peek under the hood a little bit. At that yes. One. Yes, um, correct. This game might be six nothing, honestly. Yeah. Like I like fourteen nothing is generous. If if this gets over thirty eight points, I will be shocked. Um, yeah. But wow, if you like defensive slugfest, tune into this game. Right. Here's my worry too. I, I do think Houston to cover the spread was twelve and a half because I just don't think that the offense, Sam Houston's offense, can play complementary football up to the defense speed. Um, I just I don't think Keegan Shoemaker has been as productive as we maybe thought he was coming into the season. Are we going to see Grant Gunnell, their backup quarterback, do you think? Um, I know that we haven't seen him yet this season. Um, he's a transfer from North Texas, actually. Um, he was brought in to be, I guess, essentially to compete with Keegan Shoemaker for the starting job, and Keegan Shoemaker won it over. Do you think that this is a game that we might see a little bit more of a different quarterback situation? I mean, yeah, like – the thing is, there's nothing on Keegan Shoemaker, Prosper legend, you yeah. know, like he's the captain. That's why part of the reason they're starting him. Part of the reason they're not pulling him is because he is a great leader. Mm-hmm. He is like a great locker room guy. And it's not even like his fault. It's just like if the offense is it's th- just not three working. points, it's just something's not working. It's not right. to make a change. Right. So, I mean, I'd say the leash is short. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we see Grant Gunnell. If we haven't already seen him, that's kind of worrying to me. That's true. That's true. I mean, he's a he's a guy that's been in the college game for a couple years now. Um, he had – I don't think he ever started at North Texas, but he does have college football experience. So, I, I agree with you in that, in that front that it's kind of concerning that we haven't seen Grant I mean, yet. Ish was saying he was, like, kind of struggling to, with yeah. the playbook, I guess, which I'm not tapped into Sam Houston right now, but I'll take his word for it. I right, guess that's right. what's happening. So, um Something to keep an eye out, I think. I wouldn't say I'm for sure going to see Grant Goodell in this game, but quite possibly. Yeah. I'm taking I'm taking Houston. Are you taking them to cover, though? I'm taking Sam Houston to cover. You're taking Sam Houston to cover? I'm taking Sam Houston to cover because Houston might score 10 points. True. I don't know if they, they're going to reach Not prolific points. offenses here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sam, Bear, Bearcats, let's cover here. Let's cover. I like that. That's a good take. 
All right, let's move on to our second to last game of, not game of the week, the wide zone. Um, Texas State hosting Nevada this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Texas State coming in as 17 point favorites, and the over under is set at 53 and a half. Um, there's really not much to say about this game other than Texas State should throttle this really bad Nevada team. I don't know. Nevada's a frisky 0 and 3. You know, I mean, okay, 14 to 66 <laughs> to USC. Okay. Understandable. Six to thirty-three. To Idaho. Actually, that's okay. It's actually the Idaho, just, the Idaho it, game is bad. It's actually just the Kansas game. Actually, <laughs> twenty-four to thirty-one. It's yeah, just Kansas. no, it, it's really bad. I, uh, I think that this game is probably going to go pretty similar as to what we saw last game against Jackson State. I think they're going to come out really strong. Um, obviously, T.J. Finley is going to be the starting quarterback well, there. Well, here's something to keep an eye on: is T.J. Finley still listed as the starting quarterback, but his name's not bolded anymore on the depth chart. Are we going to see Malik Hornsby start? Here's what I told Ish. And I was like, he was like, let's see Malik Hornsby get in if they pile it up on Jackson State. It's like, dude, Malik Hornsby is going to come in and look awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, he's going to look so good. You did. Now, I do remember you saying that last week. And then when that happens, they're going to start platooning. I know. And now they're doing, now his name is not bolded anymore. (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I think for the record, I think we are going to see TJ Finley get the start here, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Texas State goes up 14, 21, nothing, you know, 28, nothing, we'll probably see him get pulled and Malik Hornsby will get in. But I do think that for the record, TJ Finley will be the starter. Yeah. And like both those guys are mature enough to handle it. So it's not a huge deal. You'd rather have two great quarterbacks and no great quarterbacks. Also go read Ish's piece. Yes. Uh, He followed around Texas State President Kelly Damphouse. Uh, at the Texas State game versus Jackson State. Got to get that premium subscription, that primo subscription to read <laughs> that one. And it was primo really good, though. <laughs> it was really good. Followed him around. Really popular guy at Texas State. The atmosphere was really cool. From what I cool. saw on TV, from what Ish was showing us, the videos he was taking, the boots on the ground journalism he saw uh, down there. Also, Fun fact: I used to play basketball with Nevada's quarterback Brendan Lewis. Uh, so you guys are you guys are tight, Melissa. What, what's the what's the scoop on Nevada? What uh, I am not plugged in right now to Nevada, <laughs> but I just know my oh. guy Brendan Lewis, former Melissa High School great. Uh, well, you I, said Nevada's quarterback, right? Yeah, Nevada's oh, quarterback. Okay, okay, yeah, he yeah. played at Colorado uh, for a bit. Oh, nice. He wasn't part of the Dion thing. He left before Got that. It. But keep an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's really much to say about this game other than the fact that Texas State will probably cover uh, plus some. Um, and, yeah, they start conference play. They start Sunbelt play next week. So I think that they want to probably get another dominant win under their belt before heading into to conference play. Because um, the Sunbelt. Sunbelt looks pretty dang good this year. This so. ain't your father's Sunbelt. This, correct. <laughs> correct. All right, let's move on to our final game on the week floor state. Week, week four slate. I couldn't say it either, so that's a tongue twister. (laughs) Love it, love it. UTEP hosting UNLV this Saturday at 8 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. UNLV coming in as two and a half point favorites. The over/under is set at 49. Um, This feels like a really crucial game for UTEP to win. Um, They are one and three heading into this game with their only win being against an FCS opponent. Is that cause for alarm bells? 
Are they going off here's, in your head? Here's what I'll say. We've got a group One and of two, teams. I guess I should say. We got a group of teams right now: North Texas, One, UTEP. You know, Sam Houston. They're kind of like the catfish right now in our power pool. They're kind of circling the bottom right now, mm-hmm. feeding off the crumbs. If UTEP loses this game, it could get really dicey, and I don't know if they're going to finish above double digits in the power pool for the rest of the year. Right. And here's also my concern here, too. Um, This is not the UNLV team that we saw last year that just they don't put up points, they can't win. Um, This is a team that is averaging 40 points a game. UTEP has not scored over 30 points at all. Uh, uh, They've done it once. They haven't scored over 30 points. They hit the 30-point marker against incarnate word incarnate i don't word. think they did i thought it was 28 14 well okay maybe maybe you're right i thought they may have hit that 30 point marker but that's also really concerning that if utep can't hang offensively which i don't know if they can with this unlv team i don't think they're going to be able to i just don't think they're going to be able to hang offensively because unlv can put up a lot of points and utep just has not been able to prove that this season i don't even know what the fix is for UTEP's offense either. Like, no, I, feel I don't like either. They've got good running backs. I mean, the quarterback's a six-year guy. I know he's not like lighting the world on fire right now, but it's not all. It's not like all on him. They got some good receivers. They got Tyron Smith. You know, it, I don't know if it's the offensive line. I, I, I'm not even like saying like, oh, here's what it is. Here's the answer. I don't know what's going on at UTEP. Right. right I now. mean, we thought that maybe if they get that running game going a little bit with Deion Hankins at running back, that they would probably be in a better position. And that's what we said against when they played Northwestern. You know, if they get that running game going like they did in, against Incarnate Word, that they were going to be fine. But it just seems like I just can't get a pulse on what's what's up with UTEP, you know. Um, and I, I still feel like this is a really, really crucial game for UTEP because I think next week they do start conference play. And thing, it just might be really bad <laughs> in uh, in El Paso if if we if they can't get a win this week. It might be a hunker down type deal in El Paso. Right, if this is a loss right here. Yeah, I think so too. Um, also, something important to note: UNLV. I think they're down. They're starting quarterback. Um, they have a pretty good true freshman backup that's coming in. He's either a redshirt or a true freshman. I don't know, but he played a lot against their game against Vanderbilt last week, which they won, by the way. So they do have a power five win under their belt. You know, UNLV does. Um, so I don't know how they're going to be preparing for uh, both quarterbacks here, but they're both pretty similar. Um, but hey, maybe if the backup comes in, that's a better chance for UTEP. I, I don't know. What's the spread on this game again? Uh, it's UNLV's favored by two and a half. I think I'm taking UNLV. I think I'm taking them to cover by a little bit more than two and a half, too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a little nervous, (laughs) but. I'm pretty nervous as well. UTEP, it's it's getting late early. It is. It is, yeah. They need a win under the belt against a FBS team, (laughs) I think. So, and then, of course, North Texas, they're on a bye week. They need it, I think. Um, hey, that win's huge, they, though. Uh, Went to the bye week with a win. Correct. Yeah, they're feeling good. I'm uh, I'm excited. And then they're playing Abilene Christian at home next week, which is Stone Earl's former team. So yep. Stone we'll Earl see who game? starts. Eh, we might see – you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Stone Earl start we'll at quarterback. I think we – I honestly think we will. I don't think we what need to see Chandler start? Rogers start. Start? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would think so. I was thinking maybe they start Chandler Rogers, they get up by a lot, and Stone Earl comes in and cooks on his former team a little bit. I think we might see him start. I don't know. 
Okay. It's just it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know. I but we'll save this again for for next week. But I don't know. I guess I mean again against an FCS team, right? Like yeah, his former team. Throw him out there. Let's see what's up. But yeah, but then, okay. They Sorry, also they also need this win. <laughs> but I mean, we're getting I mean, into next week. <laughs> I, I, was, I was about to jump like three weeks, like two and two. Okay, like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like we switched up to defense the front now. Like looking True. good. True. But yeah. Anyways, we'll save that for next. We'll week's save North that for Texas next preview. week. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there you go. Week four slate is been previewed. It should be a much more interesting week than last week. So oh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty pumped for Saturday. Yeah, keep it right here on TexasFootball.com for all your coverage of the 13 Texas colleges. And this is Carter Yates signing off for the Republic of Football podcast. <laughs> and most importantly, go Rutgers! Go Rutgers! Um, they're 3-0. However, they're traveling to the Big House to play Michigan this week. So this might be our last uh, our last undefeated podcast with uh, Rutgers. Yeah, do you think we've had, we've had a really good energy these first few podcasts? It's about to get real somber here after the big house. Anyways, go Rutgers.